Thank you all for carving up the time to come today. We ask Allah to accept our efforts and we ask Allah to gather all of us in Firdaus and Rabbil Alameen. We ask Allah to increase all of us in beneficial knowledge and to protect us from knowledge that is not beneficial. Bismillah. So we are on Hadith 6. We covered the first few pages of it, and we are on page, where is it? Page 69, I believe. External and internal richness. Is that the same bookmark that you guys have? Page 69? Okay. Quick question. Do you guys have any thoughts or preferences as it relates to the reading? Like, would you guys be open to kind of going around? Or I don't mind either way. And if anyone doesn't want to read, then... <laughs> There's <laughs> no expectations. So that, yeah. The audio might not go through. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Okay, I'll, that's a good way to get out of it. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. So we can. Um, okay, we'll continue from where we left off on page sixty-nine: external and internal richness. This is in connection with Hadith 6. Impermanence perturbs us. The possibility of losing what we love is our greatest fear. What brings serenity to our hearts is the perfection and eternality of the Creator. Richness of heart comes from attaching our hearts to Allah and following His guidance. This heart surrenders to Allah and, and is content with what He gives us. This heart receives, this heart receives Allah's commands with love and gratitude. This heart knows that when it puts its trust in Allah and loves Him, it puts its trust in the wise, the merciful, the powerful, the loving, and creator of all. The heart no longer fears the world when it is close to Allah. It knows that whatever Allah has destined, He did He did with profound wisdom and care. It also knows that the difficulties of this life do not last and will be substituted with the unbelievably sorry, the unbelievable joy of paradise. Plus, whenever the heart is burdened, it knows that it can call on its creator to help it and comfort it. Simply turning to him is the tonic of the soul. The heart no longer <clears throat> excuse me, the heart no longer sorrows when it is close to Allah. When the heart loves and trusts Allah, it discovers that it needs no one and nothing other than him. It becomes rich because of Allah, independent of worldly concerns and achievements. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said, Indeed, Allah grants wealth to the one he loves and the one he does not love, but he only grants iman to those whom he loves. The believer does not look at wealth as a sign of Allah's favor. He believes deep in his heart that Allah gives him what he needs, what is best for him at this time and place, and protects him from what brings him harm. Since Allah's actions are all wise, the believer is content with whatever happens in his or her life. And since his heart is filled with his love, it no longer worries it no longer worries about or because of this world. The heart has been freed from its earthly prison. It is not happy or sad because of this world. What the believer cares about and views as a sign of Allah's favor is the faith in his or her heart. The presence of such faith is the sign that Allah loves us. And if Allah does love you, what else is there to worry about or fret over? What helps establish contentment in our hearts is believing that our worth is not tied to how much we make, what people think of us, if they even notice us or our station in society. What further cements this contentment is believing that when we that what we desire but fail to receive in this life only brings us closer to Allah. 
in an extended reporting of the conversation with Abu Dhar, the Messenger of Allah offered a physical demonstration of the lesson he was teaching him and us. Then he asked me about a man from Quraysh. He said, do you know so-and-so? I said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. He asked, what do you think of him? I replied, he is one who, if he asks, his request is granted, and if he comes to a place, he will be welcomed in. Then he asked me about a man from the people of Sufa, Masjid residence, and said, Do you know so-and-so? I replied, No, by Allah, I do, not, I do not know him, O Messenger of Allah. So he described him until I recognized him, and said, I know him, O Messenger of Allah. He asked, What do you think of him? I replied, He is a poor man from the people of Sufa. He said, He is better than the earth's fill of the other. I asked, O Messenger of Allah, shouldn't he be given some of what the other person is given? He replied, if he is given wealth, he deserves it, but if not, he will earn a good deed. The comparison is struck between a wealthy and respected man from the prominent tribe of Quraysh and a man from the people of Sufa, a poor group of companions whose only shelter was the mosque. The social, the social esteem and recognition that the wealthy man received and the obscurity and poverty of the second masked their real worth with Allah. On the inside, the poor man turned out to be the much richer one. And if he was denied some worldly wealth, it only elevated him in status with Allah. What he lacked is counted for him as a good deed. So when the believer notices that others have what he does not, he remembers all this and sees, and sees in it a favor from Allah. This knowledge fills his heart with comfort and joy. The rich-hearted may not own a lot, but carries himself with astounding dignity. His heart is not dependent on other people and doesn't expect things from them. His heart is rather linked to his creator. Consequently, he does not rely on people for his needs and hardly asks them for anything. He asks Allah alone for what he wants and is content with the little he may have. And he is generous with what he owns as if he is rich, more than the poor hearted can ever do. The believer comprehends a very important reality. His relationship with Allah provides him with all that he needs and more. The Prophet ﷺ said, Your Lord says, O child of Adam, dedicate yourself to my worship, and I shall fill your heart with riches and your hands with provisions. O child of Adam, do not distance yourself from me, or I will fill your heart with poverty and your hands with busy work. Allah's worship enriches the worshiper internally and externally, chasing away the poverty of heart and body. But when one moves away from Allah and his guidance, his heart will be full of poverty as he distances himself from the source of all richness, and his body will be always busy. His over-crammed life never earns him a feeling of satisfaction. He will always feel poor and in need. In fact, he may be losing a lot of his wealth without even realizing. It is worth our reflection to consider how much we tend to flee material poverty, but not the spiritual one, and how much we chase after material affluence, but not the richness of the heart. Whatever we collect of this world is destined to perish, and yet we cling to it like it never will. To be rich of heart will not only bring us eternal joy and comfort in the next life, but it helps us here and now too. The rich heart, as the hadith confirms, is not disturbed by the fluctuations of this life. It is immune to its charm and threats because it has risen above them. The poor heart, on the other hand, keeps running after this world without end. The best things in this world fail to bring it happiness. In fact, they are killing him. It is reported that Jesus السلام, said, The seeker of this world is like the drinker of seawater. The more he drinks, the thirstier he gets until it kills him.
Is poverty desirable? Many of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ were poor, especially at the beginning of Islam. Here is an example. When the Prophet ﷺ used to lead people in prayer, some men would faint during prayer because of their poverty. They were from the people of Sufa until the Bedouins would say, these are insane. So when the Prophet ﷺ would conclude the prayer, he would go to them and say, if you but knew what Allah has in store for you, you would love that you would be poorer and needier. This general state of poverty and need that the companions went through played an important role in purifying their intentions so that they would desire Allah alone and put Him before any other worldly gain. This said, it is also important to note that not all the companions were poor. And towards the end of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and during the time of the rightly guided caliphs, the companions acquired more money and became richer. In other words, they did not believe that poverty is a condition or a requirement for living a good Islamic life. When they lacked money, they were patient, and when they had it, they were thankful and generous. In both conditions, they were slaves of Allah who were not enslaved by wealth, but used but used it in what pleases Allah. Sufyan al was asked, can one be a zahid, detached from this world, and yet have money? He replied, yes, if he is patient when afflicted and thankful when blessed. As Imam Ahmed explained, if your heart is detached from this world, money doesn't impede piety. Imam Ahmed was asked, can one possess zuhud and money at the same time? He said yes, if he is not happy when it increases or sad when it decreases. Poverty was not a condition or state that the Prophet ﷺ asked for, but it was a state that he was patient with and endured. In fact, he used to seek Allah's protection from it after prayer and in the night and day of kar by saying, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufri wal-faqr, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-adhab al-qabr. O Allah, I seek refuge from kuf, disbelief, and poverty, and I seek your refuge from the punishment of the grave. To be in poverty is to be in a state where our basic needs are not met, and this could be a distraction and a fitna, meaning trial. So the Prophet ﷺ did not seek it as a preferred state of being. As we shall see in the Hadith 11 in this book, the optimal state of being is Al-Kafaf, where one is neither poor and in need, nor abundantly rich. And as we shall explain there also, there is no one, there is no one single state that works for all of us. Shuh. In the Hadith, the external happenings of this world are deemed secondary or irrelevant to how we are doing. Worldly wealth cannot help the poor-hearted, no matter how much it may be. And the rich, excuse me, and the rich-hearted will not be harmed by the fluctuations of this world, whether they be good or bad. The only thing that benefits us or harms us is the state of our heart. The outside world then appears irrelevant. The Prophet ﷺ identified shuh in this, in this rich and poor dichotomy as the thing that harms the soul. Shuh can be understood as greed or avarice, and we will discuss the disease in greater, in greater detail in the Hadith 12 of this book. Greed and avarice are a sign of weakness in the heart. Weakness in what the heart's beliefs, actions, or both. Okay, something is off there, but the concept is there. Okay. Uh, greed and avarice are a sign of weakness in the heart. Weakness in what... Uh, I think it's supposed to be weakness in what the heart... In what the heart believes, I don't know, there's something off in the yeah. beliefs, actions, or both. Okay. Shuh breeds discontent because the greedy heart is always an unhappy heart. Shuh leads to humiliation since the heart that is rabidly obsessed 
with this world won't mind indignity to attain it. The poverty of the heart leads to greed, and the way to heal the heart is through contentment with Allah and His provisions. So that term shuf is often used in the Quran, that whoever can uh, protect themselves from that potential greed, from that greed, then Allah describes them as successful. SubhanAllah. So that's the end of Hadith 6. Any. So itself is greed? Is greed, yeah. SubhanAllah. Allah protect us from that. Any thoughts from anyone? Any reflections related to either what we read? Uh, to quickly recap the Hadith 6, just to contextualize everything. Uh, the heart is either rich or poor. The messenger said, O Abu Dhar, do you suppose that abundance of wealth is affluence? Affluence is the richness of the heart and poverty is the poverty of the heart. The one who is rich in heart will not be harmed by what they face in this world. And the one who is poor in heart will not be enriched by how much they acquire of this world. What what harms his self is its shuh. And then here it says avarice or greed. So, subhanAllah, any thoughts on, on anything, any? Kind of like a shield. Like a shield, yeah. It's like a shield from yeah. the trials of the dunya. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, even if you're tested with money, mm -hmm. if you have Allah and you have a sound heart, then you're mm -hmm. going to be okay. Mm -hmm. If you're given the trial of not having money, then like you said, like it was, it's kind of, Allah bestowed those specific of God on Prophet Muhammad mm -hmm. make, mm -hmm. and he seeks refuge from being covered impoverished because mm -hmm. he knew that it would have an effect on him mm -hmm. and his worship. Mm -hmm. So, because I feel like we talk really highly of like, oh, people who are poor mm -hmm. are like humble and there's less of a chance of them like sinning. Mm -hmm. um, so, I've never seen it in this way where you can still be tested mm -hmm. and still be like away from Allah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and both were paired together in that in that dhikr. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufri wal-faqr from kufr and poverty. And I forget if there was... Uh, Sayyidina Umar, would he? I forget. Would I forget if he would ask Allah for protection from poverty that would basically lead to uh, trials in connection with faith? Mm -hmm. I don't remember that specific detail, but that there there can be a connection between the two. Plus, if someone is is struggling to to survive, if they're if they're hungry, if they're famished, then one, you can't think clearly, and then two, you won't be able to. To serve the community, it won't be like you're. It can be a deterrent. Either extreme can be uh, a deterrent. Um, like if the heart is not attached to the wealth, mm -hmm. then whether you're feeling poverty or wealth itself, but if you're in a state where you are mm -hmm. having wealth and you have no attachment to it, you are in a position where you can do more. Mm -hmm. Whereas yeah. if you're in poverty and you have no attachment to it. It's fine. You're getting tested. You know, mm -hmm. You're you're doing it in the right way where you're not attached to it. You feel contentment, but you also don't have as much opportunity to do more with what you have. Mm -hmm. You're already feeling poverty. Mm -hmm. And there was also another thing that I found really interesting, where where it said that, "Oh, child of Adam, do not distance yourself from me, or I will fill your heart with poverty and your hands with busy work." Mm -hmm. It's interesting that it says busy work instead of poverty. Mm -hmm. Because in the other page it says, Indeed Allah grants wealth to the one he loves and the one he does not love. Mm -hmm. So 
for the fact that he didn't say he will fill your heart with poverty and your hands with poverty is saying that if you have poverty, that doesn't mean that Allah is angry with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and instead he said busy work mm-hmm. because you could be loved by Allah or not loved by Allah and still be in poverty. But if you are distancing yourself from Allah, instead of being um, punished with poverty, mm-hmm. because you can be loved or not loved by by a lot, yeah. yeah, yeah. But instead of saying that, he says with busy work. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because if somebody was to read that and say, uh, "Allah will fill your heart with poverty and your hands with poverty," then a person who's feeling pop- like having that test of poverty, mm-hmm. they can feel that Allah is punishing them or angry with them. Mm-hmm. But instead, he didn't use that verbiage. Mm-hmm. So that, like, that's an interesting that point. From feeling like depression, like all. Oh, Mm-hmm. I must be not loved by Allah because I, I'm going through a state of poverty. Mm-hmm. Instead, like, you're so busy, you're not able to worship Allah. Mm-hmm. Like, or... You're almost not able to process Yeah. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're constantly... Like, if, if Allah leaves you alone to yourself, you're always going to be busying yourself with other things. You're not really going to be paying attention or mm-hmm. towards it. And in a way, that is a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, from kind of drifting away from our purpose. Go ahead. Yeah. And not just not just that, but like the like the, another side of that is, Allah Subhanahu wa said he'll he'll fill your heart with poverty. Mm-hmm. So in in the, in the sense that you'll never be satisfied with whatever you have. Like it's not that your hands are impoverished; it's that you you feel impoverished in your heart. And you could have all the wealth. I mean, there's the hadith of the Prophet that if, if you know, if somebody were to be given, if the son of Adam were to be given a mountain of gold the size of Uhud, um, he would ask for a second, um, a second mountain. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a there's the fame one of the one of the famous du'as of the Prophet Sallallahu where he goes, um, he says, "Allahumma awsani fi." Um, there's a dua, Allahumma fili dhambi wa wasi'ali fi dari barakli fi rizqi. I don't know if that's. Maybe it's that. So bless me in my wealth. It can be it can be in connection with wudu. Like forgive my sins. Wa wasi'ali fi dari, like expand my house. Yeah. No, well, not expand my house. Wa wasi'ali. Uh-huh. So was you're connecting it with the heart. No, no, no. So the Prophet doesn't say, the, the, the Prophet, and in mm-hmm. that, the Prophet doesn't say, mm-hmm. he says, mm-hmm. he doesn't, the Prophet doesn't say, expand my house. Mm-hmm. He says, expand me in my house. Mm-hmm. Like, make me feel like my house is expansive. Mm. He doesn't. He doesn't ask for a big house. Yeah. He asks so to, to be happy. To feel yeah. that his right. house is expensive. Like if so someone has, huh? No, I was gonna say like if someone has a mansion, but if they're miserable inside, yeah. then yeah. They, they'd feel constrained, not yeah. a sense of I mean, uh, yeah. expansiveness. Yeah. yeah, it's all. It's all. It's interesting to see like like the attachment to this dunya is. It, you can really. I know I'm a parent, and like parents only talk about their kids, but I swear to God, like you, you see, <laughs> like, you see, you, you, you yeah. see, like the state of the human being yeah. in children, like you can yeah. really, and you can really yeah. see how, like, a lot, like people 
if you don't maintain yourself, you don't mm -hmm. grow up. Mm -hmm. Like you're still the equivalent of a child because a child like will, is never satisfied with anything for too long. They mm -hmm. want the next thing. They want another thing. Mm -hmm. um, the next toy, the next, yeah, the next, the next, the next dessert, yeah. you know, whatever. The next Coco Coco Melon. Exactly. Um, and, you know, another episode of this, another, another ice cream, yeah. another another toy, like the toy that they're begging and crying for. Mm -hmm. You know, twenty minutes later, it's destroyed on the floor, and they don't care about it. Or like the next day, you don't know where it is mm -hmm. because they've chucked it somewhere, and mm -hmm. they don't care about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and it's again like 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 human beings, that's our nature. Like unless you. Or to maintain your nafs and, and like check your 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 desires, right? mm -hmm. like 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 is your is your heart tied to this world or is it tied to the afterlife? Are these tools for you to get to the next life, or is this your, are these your goals? Because if these are your goals, you're never going to fill that hunger. Mm -hmm. That's never going to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. The thing to add on to what I was saying is that a lot of times human nature like some people they don't reflect on the fact that their heart is feeling poverty they're usually looking at the mm -hmm. tangible what they can see mm -hmm. so yeah he says that i will fill your heart with poverty and your hands with busy work but like as a, you were saying like um people would you know they would have poverty in their heart but at the same time like people won't see that because mm -hmm. you could be rich and still feel like you are in poverty mm -hmm. You know, but like to have it also shown that you don't have it there, like in person or tangible, you know, you, mm -hmm. you're still going to feel that it's poverty, whether mm -hmm. you're rich or not. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times people don't reflect on how their heart state is. Mm -hmm. They see what's happening around them. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like that's back to like the spiritual health. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that's kind of love that we, I feel like only recently, like within the Western society, we're actually starting to have those conversations of like, it's just like physical health, mental health, financial mm -hmm. health, and there's also spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And if you're neglecting that spiritual health, then you're going to end up feeling that poverty is kind of low. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's like the most beautiful thing here because you were talking about the mansion. You can be in the mansion and feel completely lonely. Mm -hmm. And then you see still the same people who are like constantly chasing money and then still feel like it's never enough. So it's like finding that balance of kind of love within Islam and recognizing that Allah Taala is the one that's got you to like bless your heart with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like that's even the conversation I was having earlier. It's like it doesn't matter how much you want it. Allah Taala is the one that's going to bless you with that amen. Mm -hmm. So turn to Him. Mm -hmm. you want to to Him. And there mm -hmm. are a lot of people who feel like being in poverty is a sign of stronger iman. Mm -hmm. like, you know. So like reading this will make a person feel like I can have wealth and not feel guilty about it yeah mm -hmm. you know because there's so many muslims i've met throughout my life it's like mm -hmm. they have some rich if other people have riches they're like they look at they look, look down, down at them because mm -hmm. i feel know, like they, it also comes with responsibility that a lot of people aren't ready with self-control that people mm -hmm. are it can all responsible with it or not mm -hmm. if another person is looking at down on you yeah right. yeah like the reality is that then they're they're seeing like oh this person probably is not as strong in their being because look at they're very rich they have a big house or a nice car like, and then they, yeah, and they like yeah. feel that they have some honor in themselves because they're poor and it's mm -hmm. like but now that's just you're judging with no card you're like, judging with no card yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That, oftentimes that. oftentimes yeah. that's like a hidden issue within within them yeah. it could be jealousy it could be envy mm -hmm. like if i'll give an example of someone 
you know, if they pull up to any masjid in a fancy car, whatever, a Ferrari, right? A lot of people are going to be like, oh, what is this dunya? What is this dunya? Yeah, Not knowing what if that person, what if they're like a multi-billionaire and for them giving their zakah alone equals like a massive amount. And then on top of that, maybe they give another 10%, which is like, we, the thing is, and, and, and they may, they may be, uh, you know, humble in that regard, meaning they're not going to go around telling everyone, Hey guys, like I paid for this message. I paid for that. I paid for everything here. I built it from the ground up and I'm responsible for all of that. So is it fair to them for people to look at them in some type of way? That's one. And then two, the reality is they also don't owe people an explanation. What if they inherited that car? And what if that was something they were, I don't know, they were telling their parent that, no, I don't want it. And then they were insisting, whatever. Like, when, yeah. So, so that, so people, if they, maybe if they had it, they would have an unhealthy attachment to it. So what they're doing is they may be projecting onto other people. You're so attached to this fancy car. What's wrong with your heart? And it's like, they would be, they would be that. Yeah, yeah like. The opposite state usually mm-hmm. forget that the, the state that is opposite of what they're in is also a test. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you can poverty, you mm-hmm. can be tested, but also the person in their wealth is also being tested. Mm-hmm. It's just a different test. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know how that person is handling that test in the moment. Yeah, yeah. And the default attitude of the believer should be, especially if someone is struggling, how can I help? Right? If someone is struggling with their iman and they have all the wealth in the world, and then they want to, they have some like really big questions. Okay. In general, like, okay, how, how can this person be helped? If someone else is struggling, you know, financially, okay, how can they be helped? And there, uh, oftentimes there's a wisdom between the two. So if someone, if they have a bunch of uh, material wealth and if they feel like I want to feel more contentment in what I have, I want, I want it to feel more fulfilling and then if there are people who are struggling to survive financially, if they help them, then both end up benefiting, right? Both end up happier. The person receiving, they're happier because now they can eat, they can breathe, they can survive, which is uh, which is needed. And then for the other person, they find a sense of fulfillment and um, something intangible. I think that's a good word in this whole discussion. What's tangible, what's intangible? Because it's interesting, the Prophet mentioned the good side of the intangible first he mentioned the heart and in connection with that like uh you highlighted he mentioned uh richness and then so internally there's uh where is it in the hand let me see it yeah oh child dedicate yourself to my worship and i shall fill your heart with riches and your hands with provision so the intangible in your soul in your heart and then the tangible provisions like the prophet didn't say you know, you'll have the contentment in your heart, but Allah will insist on you being poor financially. You made a very good point. And so there's this like classic discussion uh, in, you know, in our tradition. Okay, is it better to be poor and patient or to be uh, rich or to be wealthy and thankful? And what's interesting is one of the arguments that is made for the in favor of the one who is rich and thankful is that's by choice. Right. For if someone doesn't have, they have no choice but to be patient or but to try to 
to, to make it through. For the person who's who has wealth, it's its own test to be thankful. And then you can also uh, express that in action. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, someone may, may have very little and they could be an extremely close friend of Allah. Someone may have a lot and they may do some good. Only Allah knows, you know, the reality of that. But if someone had the intention of wanting to, you know, become wealthy and success, successful and all that, so they can, you know, do awesome projects, every organization is constantly trying to fundraise, right? Yeah. For a reason. <laughs> so yeah. imagine someone shows up. You know, Yusuf, maybe you'll be that person one day, inshallah. Show up like, oh, what are you, what are you, yeah, what are you, what are you trying to raise? Oh, we're trying to raise like 300,000. Okay, I'll go. I'll double that. I'll give you six hundred thousand. Can we just <laughs> eat? <laughs> can, can we just get to the dinner? Uh, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> who wants to match that? <laughs> can I get one Kareem, <laughs> one generous person? So I don't know. Um, but you you can you can do a lot of good, huh? When the mortgage on the Yeah. Subhanallah. Allah mentions both in the Quran, uh, actually in, in, in different places, but in one back-to-back -back example in Surah Sa'd, Allah talks about Prophet Sulaiman, who had literally the most unique kingdom ever in human history. And he it's interesting, there's a formula to take from that constellation of ayahs when he asks Allah for forgiveness, and then he asks Allah for something huge after that. So one thing that I can learn when I come across the ayah, okay, ask Allah for forgiveness, basically clean things, and then ask for... Uh, for something huge, whatever that may be. So he asked Allah for forgiveness, and then he asked Allah for a kingdom, for Allah to bestow this incredible gift upon him, this kingdom that no one after him uh, would have. Allah gave him that. Allah gave him control over over jinn, over wind. Like Allah gave and gave, and at the end of it, I think this is an important concept for people to keep in mind at times, especially parents, uh, there's a time and a place, but at the end of that passage, Allah says, Femnun emsik hisab. So Allah is telling him, I'm not going to micromanage you. Give what you want, keep what you want. You'll be fine either way. So to allow that breathing room, that flexibility, that, okay, so I'm being trusted with this. I can, you know, uh, decide freely as, and he was incredibly wise. I mean, there are other ayahs that refer to that specifically. Um, Allah describes him at the end of that passage, that he was this amazing servant uh, and he would turn to Allah often. Like that's literally the phrase, immediately after his story. So Suleiman had, you could say, everything the dunya had to offer. And more, like unique things that are unheard of otherwise. The very next story is Prophet Ayyub, who lost everything at the same time and was struggling for several years, one opinion is seven years. Um, and Allah mentions that he 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 made dua. And so you find both of them making dua, that's a commonality. Mm -hmm. And he complains to Allah that shaitan is giving me uh, a hard time. So Allah tells him, hit the ground with your foot. And Allah provided water that healed him internally. So health-wise, internally and externally. And Allah basically gave him even more than what he had before. At the end of that passage, Allah says, Ni'mil abd innahu awab. The, the same exact phrase for uh, Ayyub and, and Sulaiman. So the, the, the concept is, okay, wherever I'm at, how can I try to use this situation, even in small ways, to bring me closer to Allah? It doesn't have to be 
grandiose does it have to you know sometimes we think of these huge things which is good but you know it's it's uh we shouldn't overlook the small good deeds that we can do the small donations that we can give i mean etc would anyone go to him would anyone go to him and say <laughs> prophet Suleiman, your iman is so low <laughs> what is you're, you're you're so <laughs> subhanallah what is, your iman must be low yeah yeah not feel guilty yeah yeah and and where does that guilt come from why is there that misunderstanding i feel like a lot of people hold um poverty to a, a high degree when it comes to iman because during the prophet peace upon time a lot of people were mm -hmm. in poverty and they mm -hmm. had strong iman so they kind of like think like poorly to be like those people mm -hmm. what's interesting it wasn't necessarily by choice I mean, if someone has difficult circumstances, then, you know, they, so through their examples, they show us that, okay, they outlasted their circumstances. And actually, they, I, I, I don't know if I could say all, but like Zubair ibn al-Awam, he ended up becoming wealthy. Abu Huraira was very poor. He ended up becoming wealthy. Uh, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he was, he was just, he, he was like the CEO from the Sahaba who, he was he was just very very business savvy and he Abdurrahman ibn Auf from so these are from the ten promised jannah I mean as a generation the promised jannah but there's a special group of ten I mean Sayyidina Abu Bakr he uh, he had wealth Omar had wealth Uthman for sure had a lot of wealth and what's interesting Uthman Subhanallah his uh, his character was so incredible and he was so shy and modest that the prophet felt shy around him and the prophet said that angels feel shy around him like <laughs> who was this person subhanallah he was wealthy and so if someone has that kind of personality off the top of your head if you think about that person donating a huge amount of money you'd assume they're probably going to do it privately because naturally they have a very shy personality they're very modest and very like under the radar but you find Uthman specifically when the prophet was raising money for Tabuk, he, uh, Allah describes in the Qur'an as a, as a time of great difficulty. He raises his hand and he gives. And then the Prophet continues fundraising. And he he gives. And then he gives again. And the Prophet said, you know, do what you want. After today you're forgiven. You're granted Jannah. So he was given the glad tidings of Jannah multiple times. What's interesting to me is the person who was giving and giving and giving publicly was Uthman. The, the same very shy, you know, humble, bashful person but then when it came to giving, he was willing to give a lot and he was willing to do it publicly multiple times in the same fundraiser. His so could be exactly he wanted to show people like to encourage. You that, yeah. Because he could have gone to the Prophet on the side and said, and there's a time and a place for each. Allah praises both in the Quran. Yeah. There are those for people when they, they give privately and publicly. Um but there is, especially the the wisdom in that situation to give publicly and to inspire, inspire other people. Yeah. I mean, imagine yeah. sometimes you'll be at the masjid and someone's like throwing 10,000 and I'm like, I wish I could give that one. Yeah. 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 I think another 
important lesson to learn from the, the, the stories of these companions is mm -hmm. the fact that you're saying like they they weren't always wealthy because they mm -hmm. had their times when they weren't mm -hmm. um, so wealthy and then um there were times when they were and I think sometimes, like we were discussing earlier, sometimes people um, like praise being in a state of poverty to the mm -hmm. point that they don't do anything about it. They're just like, well, right. Especially right. In Italy, yeah. I mean, this is going into a different topic, but like, even I've seen it a lot in this country specifically, where people are like, well, you know what? I'll stay on government aid or something. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. have no You're desire, in the right? Building, mm -hmm. no desire <laughs> to make the community. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about people who like have the capacity to do more and refuse mm -hmm. to, but oh. it's like. Mm -hmm there's more we can do for ourselves and we know that and we have the physical ability to and these companions weren't able to do that it was just there was a time where they um they didn't have that and then they worked towards it and they got to a different space so mm -hmm. um, and both parts of it are obviously crazy mm -hmm. there's people who conveniently forget that part of the story we don't yeah. actually have to be stuck in the poverty yeah no there should be a, a growth mindset yeah. and the more you so if you make a whole lot and you decide okay you want to buy a house pay it off take care of all of your essentials you know take care of everything you can imagine okay and then if there's still so much mashallah coming in then absolutely put you know you have what what you need your content you have you know a lot saved up that's extra then uh, through that income that's coming in then that can be used to do very very noble things i mean there's so much wisdom in the fact that the prophet was an orphan in a tribal society later on so allah describes um especially when he married sayyida khadija who was wealthy she was kind of his boss <laughs> and and she was so impressed by his character there subhanallah there's so much that's contained organically within the life of the prophet that we kind of find ourselves in the muslim community kind of struggling with at times mm -hmm. like the prophet had no issue with teach their own but the prophet himself he had no issue with khadija being married actually twice before him she had kids mm -hmm. before him she was a little bit older than him we often hear that she was 40 he was 25 that's one opinion another and it seems a bit more likely was that she was 28 he was 25 um i mean they had six kids they're I mean, there, there are references for both. That's a separate discussion. But the point is, she was wealthy. And Allah described it as a blessing. That remember when you were struggling and we enriched you, especially through her. She did so much, especially financially, to support Islam from the beginning. Sayyidina Abu Bakr, he did so much to, to help um, Islam in the beginning when he would free Bilal and, and other slaves uh, who, who were Muslim. Um, like people on the other side of the situation from Quraysh, they had a hard time understanding, like, how could, why are you doing all this? They thought, oh, he's only freeing them because because they didn't have sincerity. They projected their lack of sincerity onto him. That, oh, he must be freeing them because then they're going to owe him favors. That that That's probably why. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, he's only freeing them because he wants them to owe him over time. But Allah testifies to his, to his sincerity. In Surah Al-Layl, um, what's the? Uh, it's towards the end of the uh, end of the surah. My mind is going blank, like more than usual. Uh, yeah, coffee. <laughs> uh, 
Subhanallah. Surah Al-Layl is Surah 92. I'm like, I'm not reading through it right now. No, I'm not reading through it right now. I'm not reading through it right now. Okay. Thank you. So that that is, I remember Imam Sahib mentioned in his uh, tafsir on Surah Al-Layl many years ago. Um, he said that there's unanimous, there's consensus among scholars that's referring to Abu Bakr. Yeah, the translation? You want me to, or do you want to? No, I mean, you can. I, do you want to go ahead and, yeah. and read it? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah okay. please. So, from the beginning, in the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the special merciful, by the night, by the night when it covers, and by the day when it appears, and by He who created the male and female. Indeed, your efforts are diverse. As for he who gives and fears Allah and believes in the best reward, we will ease him toward we will ease him toward ease. But as for he who withholds and considers himself free of need and denies the best reward, we will ease him toward difficulty. And what will his health avail him when he fails, when he falls? Indeed, incumbent upon us is guidance and indeed to us belongs the hereafter and the first life so i have warned you of a fire which is burning. so you guys were referring well, to no no there's still it, it comes right after that oh. yeah no, part of right after that. Oh, okay okay none will enter to burn therein except the most wretched one who had denied and turned away but the righteous one will avoid it he who gives from his wealth to purify himself and not giving for anyone who has done him a favor to be rewarded, but only seeking the, co- the countenance mm-hmm. of his Lord Most High, and he is going to be satisfied. So it's kind of like saying that, like, to give his wealth in order to purify himself, but not doing it for anyone mm-hmm. in his dunya, but doing it for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Yeah, he's not doing it uh, so they can owe him favors or so they can pay him back later on. Mm-hmm. No strings attached, basically. They had a hard time understanding that because, like, what do you mean you're doing it? Just because of something good, like just for the sake of Allah, like, mm-hmm. come on, <laughs> isn't there something else? But it's amazing. Allah testifies that He's sincere. And uh, I think the part where she said, "A uh, person who doesn't believe that they are in need." Mm-hmm. Can you re- read that part again? And then it said, "Yusuf, can you hand me water, please? I I need mine as a prop." Yeah. So the first law times Adam mentions indeed your efforts are diverse. This is um ninety-two four. Indeed your efforts are diverse. As for he who gives and fears Allah and believes in the best reward, we will ease him towards ease. So if you believe that Allah Ta'ala and you fear Allah Ta'ala and believe in his reward, Allah Ta'ala will guide you towards ease. Um, and it's not just like guide you, but it's like ease you towards ease. Allah. Then right after that, but as for he who withholds and considers himself free of need, so you're like believing that you don't need Allah um, and denies his reward. 
Mm-hmm. It denies his reward. So it denies his provisions in this life and the akhirah. We will ease him towards difficulty. So on one I hand, you have... the best reward. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's... You're supposed to ask for the ultimate, like, highest thing that you can have mm-hmm. you know, in this life. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't make a person feel like they can't ask for something, you know, mm-hmm. that um, provisions are something that we feel guilty about. Yeah. We should ask for the best of the best. From mm-hmm. the best. From the best. It's that part, subhanAllah. It's mm-hmm. like, why would you... And exactly like the Prophet Suleiman's du'a. Mm-hmm. Why would you cut yourself any short of a kingdom? And the fact that he said, or he made the law saying of the kingdom better than anyone else would ever, yeah. ever yeah. have after me, too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how high can you get? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so, the law gave it to him. It was like, okay. Yeah. Here yeah, you subhanAllah. You didn't yeah. ask for that. Mm-hmm. There was no criticism whatsoever. There was no negativity. There, I mean, the dua was validated. It was accepted. Mm-hmm. Allah responded to it. And Allah gave and gave and gave. And the important thing is, how did Prophet Sulaiman, why did he want that kingdom? And then how did he end up using it? Someone may ask Allah for a blessing. And they may say that, oh, Allah, give me a lot of wealth so I can give a lot of charity. Okay, then let's say Allah gives them a lot of wealth. Are they still going to give a lot of charity or no? If they do, then that's extremely good, right? It's one thing to ask for it. It's another to receive it. And then what are you going to do afterwards? So he backed up his intention with his actions. And he used that blessing of that incredible kingdom to, uh, to spread justice and to for good. So sincerely for Allah. And scholars have given a, a really nice example of this dunya, whether it's wealth or otherwise, um, for it to stay, to, for it to be kept in in your hands and not in your heart. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, they give the example of a of a ship sailing across the sea. It needs the water to get to the other side, but as soon as the water enters the vessel, then it sinks. So yeah, money is needed, wealth is needed, these different things are needed, and they aid us in a way to help us to to get to the other side. Um, but if it enters the heart, then that's when uh, that's when it becomes an issue. A lot of it, going back to what Ariva mentioned several weeks ago, a lot of it constantly goes back to humility. So even when Prophet Suleiman had kingdom, he was humble. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, I mean, and he's coming from, like, who's his father? His father is Prophet Dawood, who is a king and a prophet in his own right. And he must have seen how much good his father did by living that example of what it means to be a just king, a righteous king, and how much good can come from that. Um, and subhanAllah, he eventually makes that dua. And the part that sticks out to me is first, he asks Allah for forgiveness, Rabbi Khili. Uh, he wants to build that kingdom on like a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. He wants to start what what my heart, right? What most important that Yallah forgive me. Like I just I need to be good with you. Uh, and then uh, there was the request for a blessing to to use it for good. Uh, but it it starts with the heart. The food that you eat or like the provision that you have in your lifestyle is all in har- is haram. But how are you raising your hands to 
ask for Allah, mm. and all of this is like. How 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 can you expect Allah to answer you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and what and asking for forgiveness and then asking is like kind of exactly cleaning it up. Exactly, like, exactly. I recognize that these are wrong. Yeah. So forgive me, forgive me and yeah. Mm -hmm. That that thank you for sharing. That's a good. And actually, the part you mentioned that's not in the hadith, right? No, no, no. But I'm I'm saying like that's a really awesome reflection to share. Like the Prophet makes it very clear that if someone is covered in dust, they're disheveled. They just they look miserable, and they're in the middle of nowhere, and their uh, their their clothing is haram, their food is haram, their income primarily is haram. Because even if if you have haram money but you're eating halal chicken, it's haram chicken because of where the money came from. So, so this person is just in a bad situation, and so they ask Allah, and the Prophet says like. How can they expect Allah to, to answer them? But then you followed up, followed it up with actually this is a potential solution. Yeah. Um, that no matter where someone is in terms of their relationship with Allah, to ask Allah for forgiveness and then to and then to ask Allah for help, to ask Allah for you know assistance, guidance, whatever it may be. SubhanAllah. Was well, so, it said that Allah doesn't ask or answer your du'as unless uh, these things were mentioned and one is to um, I forgot what the Arabic term is but basically to praise him to praise or mm -hmm. to bless the prophet peace be upon him mm -hmm. and then ask for forgiveness and mm -hmm. then make your du'a mm -hmm. like there's requirements to like bullet points you have to hit before you make mm -hmm. your du'a mm -hmm. otherwise the du'a is kind of doesn't happen it kind of it kind of uh what is it like? Kind of. You're like you're. Yeah, it's it's from the etiquettes. Yeah, it's from the etiquettes of du'a. Mm -hmm. It's like if you really want to have that A plus du'a, so to speak, then these are the manners of. Uh, yeah. Of, mm -hmm. of how to do that. Mm -hmm. Of like not being greedy with your du'a, like there's like the one du'a or the one hadith where like if you make du'a for your brother or mm -hmm. sister, then like the angels will say it for you as well. Mm -hmm. Make making sure like you want what's good for them, for everyone else, as well as yourself. Not just being greedy with mm -hmm. what you can have in the world. Mm -hmm. It's like a guaranteed humbleness. Like if mm -hmm. you have humility and humble, you're you will ask for other people mm -hmm. have but if you're not even wanting that for other people or if you're not consciously thinking of other people then in a way it has like a arrogance or like an entitlement like i want this law for myself mm -hmm. but if you are humble and have humility you naturally will make laws for others mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah and and those du'as are like often very quickly responded to uh I don't know if it's a hadith or a quote from one of the scholars, but it says it's better to be the one who gives than the one who receives. There, there's a hadith that the the hand. So, what the prophet literally says is the hand, like that, what the upper hand mm -hmm. is better than the lower hand, and the clear implication is giving, right? The hand that's giving is better than the hand that's receiving. What's interesting is uh, there were sahaba when they would when they would give they would put their hand as the lower hand 
and then the person they're giving it to, that way their hand, so they're honoring the one they're giving to. The, the humility, right? That, okay, so the Prophet, what he literally said was the hand that's above is better than the hand that's below. So I want that for you. So to not embarrass them, to not shame them, to like to honor them that, you know, I see you. Mm-hmm. And and it's not being given with strings attached. It's not being given with with any arrogance. It's being given like, like, my yeah, yeah. Like chances are the 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 internal like reflection is chances are you're probably better with Allah than I am. And you know, let me. So I'm I'm looking looking at it from a perspective of being humble. Subhanallah. Um, did Prophet Muhammad ever explain that? That's a good question. Okay, I, I, I don't know. Because uh, immediately when you mentioned it, I thought of what you're talking about being mm-hmm. the one that's giving, mm-hmm. and then it kind of went back to our topic at hand, too, where it's mm-hmm. like it's better to be the person who has the money to give mm-hmm. than to be yeah. the person who's receiving. So it's it's giving with adab, mm-hmm. right? So if mm-hmm. someone, if there's someone who's they're they're homeless, they're struggling, they're in need, and if uh, instead of looking down on that person, how can I how can I help them up, so to speak? Mm-hmm. So let's say they're I don't know they're right outside of Subway. So you ask, hey, you want me to get you anything? They say, yeah, please. You know, can you get me a sandwich and something to drink. So you go, you get it, you bring it to them. Simple example. So in giving it to them, to kind of yeah, so that way they can with your nia of like you're not going to preach to them you know prophet muhammad said <laughs> but you're, you're, you're just you're, you're just living it you're just living it you're just trying to just let your light shine you know you're just trying to do good you're just trying to benefit them so simple example when giving them that that food or that drink to uh, to do so with if you're in a position that you have wealth you're Mm-hmm. If you're don't hold that gift. Yeah. And but like it's a motivation to strive to have wealth so yeah. that you could you mm-hmm. could give other mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So in a way that is like saying it is a motivation. Yeah. Where yeah. you can give because you have mm-hmm. the things to give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if someone's out of fundraiser. Yeah. 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 So like a, there's also I think about that too though. Like it's like even giving that like five cents means a lot. Mm-hmm. Compared yeah. to the person who gave a hundred. And it goes back again to to your intention and your heart. It, it's incredible. More and more over time, you see how much in Islam revolves around the heart of a person, the intentions of a person. Uh, the so what the Prophet mentioned was like what Manar was saying: give anything in charity, even if it's part of a date. Which I mean, sounds odd to part of a date, not even a whole one. It, you know, like to give a penny instead of a dollar to give like what a person may think like what difference is that going to make like what what's that going to do it's i mean if you were to think economically or numerically that okay how much would that be worth i have five cents i have no idea mm-hmm. but the point is the prophet is saying give anything even if it's this tiny amount that you would think is insignificant mm-hmm. on the other side of things there were there were hypocrites in medina speaking of projecting what's inside um, when when they saw people giving a lot in charity they would assume the worst of them that oh they're just giving to show off 
And then if someone gave a small amount, they would say, oh, this is such a small amount. What difference is that going to make? So with... <laughs> with never good enough. <laughs> ever. <laughs> it's just a lose-lose. SubhanAllah. Um, so what, what is your intention? So if someone is going to give a dollar, maybe they give a dollar because that's all they can give at that time. And they make dua secretly saying, Ya Allah, help me to have enough one day so I can easily give $100,000 without thinking twice. Like for it to be beyond easy. Help me to do that multiple times a year. Help me to just with that intention, right? I want to have so I can give. And then maybe Allah ends up giving them uh, a whole lot. And then they end up giving what what they intended to give and maybe more. And So what, what's the intention? Sometimes people's intentions are loud. Sometimes their intentions are loud. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, like, an intention that's like so good and makes, it inspires you. So it's good. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who are like, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 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 Was that necessary? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna put up my clock <laughs> on this side because the one clock here is over there. So it's nine ten. So we can go ahead and wrap up for today. Uh, and the intention is to to have this weekly, inshallah. And uh, Sister Shahed, who is the office manager, and she's also uh, very talented in marketing and uh, other things as well. So she's going to put the Rida logo on the flyer, and then. Um, Sign by the door mm-hmm. and then keep the one on the street, like the days that we do show up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you have a sign on the street and you come in and you're like, mm-hmm. you're part of where, the yeah, yeah, and then maybe I can ask Amos, Amos. I don't know if it's yeah. possible or not, but maybe if there could be like a, a bigger sign on top of the, the roof of the first floor, yeah, like you know, how, like there's a salon, so you see the sign clearly from the street um, yeah. so it would be no, like nice yeah alright let's find out how much that is this is a contribution from art therapy <laughs> okay let's go ahead and wrap up may Allah bless all of you for for coming here today may Allah bless this location may Allah bless this organization may Allah bless those who founded it may Allah bless those who support it we ask Allah to bless this space always and to always keep it as a safe space we ask Allah to increase all of us in beneficial knowledge and we ask Allah to protect us from knowledge that is not beneficial Now you can drink his water and peace.